Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Tampa Bay Lightning win their franchise record 10th straight game. They beat the New York Rangers 4-3. Victor Hedman with the game winner in overtime. The Lightning led this one 2-0 and then 3-1. And then when it was winning time, they got it done. I'm at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. Had a chance to talk with Bucks coach Bruce Arians and general manager Jason Light, who also met with the media today. Are the Bucks really going to bring back Deshaun Jackson? And what are they saying about Gerald McCoy? Or what about their own free agents? We've got all that in a discussion with Bruce Arians and the writers who regularly cover the team, something you normally wouldn't hear on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, if you're like me, are you sick and tired of paying these high electric bills? My last electric bill, folks, it's still well over $300. I want you to listen to me now. You can save 90 to 95% off your electric bills. Call May Electric Solar. They're a locally owned company, and May Electric Solar is the safest solar available. It doesn't use high voltage like many of the other companies. And May Electric Solar has a 25-year warranty on all their equipment and labor, and they also have a full showroom where you can see their products, and they're open on weekdays. May Electric Solar has been around 12 years. They've earned a great reputation with their customers and their peers. And now there's many other solar companies out there trying to imitate them and use their name. But remember, they don't use subcontractors, and they don't subcontract in any other way. So everyone knows it has to be May all the way. So stop the insanity of these out-of-control electric bills. Start saving now and call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. If you call them right now, you can also receive... A 30% tax credit by changing to solar energy through 2019. Call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. All right, Steve, so quickly on the Tampa Bay Lightning, they win their 10th straight. First of all, it's hard to win 10 in a row in any sport, I would think, particularly hockey. And this is, in fact, a franchise record. I think they've done nine wins in a row a couple times in their uh, franchise history. But they've been playing hockey for a minute in Tampa Bay. So, so how put this put this sort of feat in perspective, if you would? Well, not only have they won ten in a row, but I believe it's fourteen straight games they've got a point in now. Which they're playing Boston tonight, the back the tail end of a back to back. Boston is ten zero and four in their last fourteen games. They've lost two points to the Lightning, who are twelve zero and two in fourteen games. Wow! I mean, wow. that's how good the Lightning have been, continue to be. Um, they had a 2-0 lead and a 3-1 lead in New York tonight. Blew that, but ended up winning in overtime. Hedman had a beautiful breakaway early in the overtime. Missed that shot. Puck kind of rolled on him, and then he got a, another shot later and buried it. Uh, beautiful pick play, actually. Um, looking NFL, kind of some rub routes, although sure. uh, Chicago, or, uh, Chicago uh, I'm watching the Blackhawks now. New York was <laughs> upset about it. it was a pick play, but I'm like, Kucherov had the puck, and he kind of you know handed it off. And, the, and the, the collision happened right then. I mean, Kucherov had nowhere to go to avoid that. It wasn't like he ran out of guy and picked him. But maybe it was a pick play. Maybe it should have been called. I don't know. I didn't think so. But maybe I'm biased, too. I don't know. I, I do know this, that uh, the, the, this hockey team is on uh, – correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, the way they're get racking up points, 
they get two more points um, against the Rangers. I mean, they truly are on pace to to come close to being this the same stratosphere as the one of the the best hockey teams in history. They're right? on pace for 131 points, which is only been done once or twice, maybe three times in history. And I don't believe mm-hmm. in the salary cap era it has. I mean, that's how good they are. Um, that's how dominant they are. Uh, I did some quick math. So there's 18 games to go. And assuming mm-hmm. my math holds up, their magic number is 10 to make the playoffs. Which means they have wow. to win five more games. And at that point, Montreal, who of the, of the playoff-bound teams, could get the least amount of points based on games played left. They could win every game, and the Lightning would still be ahead of Montreal. They need five out of the last 18 to win. That's all they need to clinch a playoff berth. I mean, it's just been phenomenal to watch. I do have one question, though. And this talk about picking nits here. I'm about to do it. But the last few games, they've blown some early leads, 2 nothing leads. Uh, they were up 2 nothing, and then 3-1 mm-hmm. uh, against the Rangers, uh, only to win in overtime, one in a shootout uh, the other night. Any concern? <laughs> this is stupid, right? But, like, I mean – you know, are our teams just playing, you know, desperate hockey against them as you would expect them to? Um, because some of these teams, and I don't think the Rangers are necessarily included in this group, but like, you know, some of these teams are battling for points just to try to make the playoffs, et cetera. Um, the Kings were, were not one of those. So maybe the last two games, you know, don't, don't really uh, fit that, that mold. But these are professional hockey teams and they, they've got good players too. But, uh, I'm just wondering, like, what it, what's the deal with the uh, the two zero and three one leads that allowing teams to come back on you? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm I would not be concerned. You know, obviously, right. as you go down the stretch and you've got 18 games to go now, what you want to be is playing the right type of hockey. Yeah, going into the playoffs, right mm-hmm. and even if you lose a game here and there, it's it's a, it's the process at this point in getting yourself ready to for the playoffs. Sure. So the Lightning, the last two games, have played the Kings and the Rangers, both teams that are not going to make the playoffs, two teams struggling that are you know, looking to the future. So you grab early leads on them, you take your foot off the gas a little bit? Sure. Sure. I mean, it's, it's understandable. It's easy to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and those teams are professionals, and they got young guys out there trying to make statements and trying to play. And, you know, and the one thing about the Lightning is they're so good is nobody wants to get embarrassed by them. Right. So the teams are, you know, coming out to play every night, whether they're first in the standings or last. Um, I don't worry about it. You know, they keep finding ways to win, and you know they they get out to to leads, and maybe their foot comes off the gas a little bit. I mean, and, and right. if if look, if this was game eighty one or eighty two, my guess is that wouldn't happen. And if it's the playoffs, that's not going to happen. You know, it doesn't mean they're not going to blow leads in the playoffs, but they're not going to take their foot off the gas. We're worried about a team that's won 10 in a row, franchise <laughs> record. Like, really? Well, what are we talking about? But I, I think you're right. I think that <clears throat> when teams play the Lightning and they give up early goals, they realize this could turn into something very ugly. And no one wants to be embarrassed, especially at home. And that's been the case the last two times. Uh, well, L.A., the, the Kings were here. But I'm just saying you, you do have some pride. You are a professional, and you don't want to go out there and get blasted. It's the same in the NFL. I mean, if you're down – you know, 21 to three at halftime, you, you know, you don't want to turn that into 41 to three. So mm-hmm. um, you're going to see the fight in these guys and, and they've, they've gotten a little bit of that. And yeah, they probably would have mashed a little harder if it had been the postseason. But man, when it's the, what I love about them is that when it's winning time, it, it doesn't matter how they do it. They absolutely are going to get two points every single night. And that's been the remarkable thing. And that's why they've racked up uh, what is you know going to be a, an historic season. 
uh, for the Tampa Bay Lightning. So one stat, to too. One guys. stat. Kucherov got three points and I had three assists on the night, leading the NHL in scoring. He's had 16 games this year that he has not scored a point. Goodness. He's had 16 games where he's had three or more points. <laughs> That's crazy, man. <laughs> That's just crazy. <laughs> Now, what's his lead in the in the uh, points race? Is it's pretty substantial, right? Cooch is currently eleven points ahead of Patrick Kane, and he is now eighteen points ahead of Connor McDavid. And if you remember, it was just a couple weeks ago after I think they played Pittsburgh on a Saturday night that those three were tied. Yeah, I mean, he completely pulled away. I mean, like he like he just hit the afterburners or something. It was crazy, and away he went. And so. Uh, pretty substantial lead for him uh, going down the stretch here. I'm sure that the Lightning players would like to get him that distinction. And uh, right now, he's certainly on his way to it. So. He's 13 assists ahead of the next closest guy. He's got 74 assists leading the NHL. Yeah, just a, just an amazing year. And I would think, look, I, I know there's a lot of guys that are deserving even on this team, but shouldn't the most valuable player be the best player or at least the guy having the best year on, the, on, on a team that's winning as much as the Lightning? It depends on how you define valuable. Is, well, is Kucher, has Kucherov been the best player this season? Yes. As far as, you know, if you want to take out goalies from it, I think it's hard to compare. But, but that, you know. That's one way of describing but, it, though, but, right? But I mean, most the, valuable, you could define differently. It doesn't mean the best player. I mean, right. you could make an argument, although maybe not this year, but, you know, let's say last year that Braden Point was the most valuable player on the Lightning, even though he wasn't the best player. Mm-hmm. But he did so many different things. Sure. From, you know, he's not on the penalty kill anymore, but he was last year. He was leading the shutdown line. He was scoring points. He was on the power plays, on the penalty kill. He's, you know, he does so and many different things. He still does things. all that stuff. You know, he, so is he more valuable than Nikita Kucherov? No. And this season, this season, no. Last year, I could have yeah. made a case for that. Last year you could have, and, and he's having another good year this year. Mm-hmm. I just think that Kucherov has done all so many things um, on the power play, scoring, mm-hmm. the assists. He's the engine of, of their offense right Absolutely. now. And, and so, you know, when you have the kind of special year that he's putting together, it's a lot easier to, to say, yes, you know, mm-hmm. here is a lightning team. How have they separated themselves from the pack? Well, Kucherov has separated himself from every other scorer in the league. And there's a lot of prolific scores in this in the NHL. And I think when a guy has a year like this, you need to reward him, particularly if he's the guy leading the best team in the NHL. And that's what he's doing. Look, we could say every night that Vasilevsky is the best player on the Lightning. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would be willing, even though Louis Domingue has won a bunch of games, I would be willing to say that he's their most valuable player, period, you know, on their team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... For the year he's having, I think that uh, there, there's a pretty good chance that the MVP is going to be Nikita Kucherov well, if he it, continues. But it's, it's, it, this goes another argument, too. And, and, you know, some are going to say it's Connor McDavid or Patrick Kane who's brought the Blackhawks back from True. Know, last place. And they're probably right. going to make the playoffs at this point the way they're playing. And he carried them, yeah. You know, but this argument with John Cooper, too. There's an argument that John Cooper does not deserve to be in the coach of the year. I know. Talk because his team is so talented that he shouldn't be up there. And well, you know I would completely never disagree wins coach with that. Of the year? You know who never wins coach of the year? Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. Tell me there's a better coach in the NFL. There isn't. He never wins. Well, he's won a few times, yeah. but, I mean, you could literally – I mean, without – with closing your eyes, even though you say, well, he's got Tom Brady, 
you could you could say, look, there's not a better coach in the NFL than Bill Belichick. Who would it be, who would it be? Not, you know, for not any, even for close. Any single year, not even close. And especially especially in the years that he wins the Super Bowl, he's still not coach of the year. So, yeah, it's the same kind of argument. Is is the guy that have has the best team? Does he does he get does Cooper get overlooked? Because it's like, well, look at the talent. Of course, he won a lot of games. I think Kucherov, at you know, assuming something crazy doesn't happen over the last eighteen games, you know, if he's keeping up kind of this pace, mm. and he's so far ahead of everybody else, and he's you know, setting point totals that haven't been seen in 20-plus years. I don't think there's a way you can't give him the heart. I but if he slows it. down a little bit and Patrick Kane gets a little closer-wise and the Blackhawks make the playoffs after having been in last place for the first two, two-and-a-half months of the season, well, that's a good then, maybe it, then maybe voters will change and go to Patrick Kane. But as long as Kucherov's on the pace he's at, and I think he's like at 1.63 points a game, and Kane's like 1.5. I mean, that, that's significant. And, you know, the fastest to reach 100 goals in 22 seasons or 100 points in 22 seasons, you know, I, I don't think – I think it's hard to, to say Kucherov doesn't deserve the heart as long as his numbers are that dominant. Right, and they are. And, but even if he I slows down, I could I say he deserves it, but they may go elsewhere. It'll be fascinating to see how it happens. I think he does deserve it. I think he's going to win it, but what do I know? we still got hot, lots of hockey to play, so we'll see how that continues. Okay, I'm in Indianapolis, Indiana, where I think the high temperature was somewhere in the low low to upper 30s, if I'm not mistaken. Burr. It's cold here, folks, and it's going to get colder. But uh, that aside, um, had a chance to uh, to hang out a little bit with Bruce Arians. You know, Arians, uh, of course, was retired last year, worked for CBS, and I've always said that the the start of a new season – I know those guys are back in the lab and they're doing things and uh, meeting as a staff, whether you have a new coaching staff or one that's, that's uh, gathering after the playoffs or whatever. Um, but really the start of the season begins in every year in Indianapolis because that's, that's now 2019 is here. Uh, all the coaches, all the general managers, the scouts, every position coach, um, you know, certainly, you know, 300 and what, 30, 35 uh, prospective draft picks are here. I mean, it is the largest uh, NFL gathering that you're ever going to see, and even some owners. Uh, Darcy uh, Glazer-Katsowitz was here as well. So there's, uh, there's a buzz, you know, w- when you get to this point uh, of the season at the Combine, and it's about the draft and also free agency right around the corner. But for Bruce Arians, you know, this is really um, sort of a, a coming back party in a sense because he was – he was out of football. He was retired. Now he's back. And Indianapolis in particular is a special city for him because this is where, of course, he had that magical year in 2012 when he was the interim coach and went 9-3, and three, taking over for Chuck Pagano when he uh, you know, had leukemia and made the playoffs and, and was named Coach of the Year. And that got him the job in Arizona at age 60, becoming a head coach in the NFL after just a storied career as an assistant. So a special place, and, and lots of people here are uh, happy to see Bruce. And, uh, you know, he did a, uh, uh, you know, a woman in, a women in uh, football forum with, with John Harbaugh and a bunch of other coaches today. Started that early this morning and then met the media. And, uh, it was, you know, the energy, you can feel the vibe that this guy has. He has some swag. He has a presence. And uh, I think that, you know, when, when you watch him in this city, it's, it's pretty interesting. So we had a chance to talk to him. He was him and both Jason Light 
uh, met the media. It was, you know, kind of a media day for GMs and coaches if they wanted to participate. Jason went first on the podium at 11 a.m., and then Bruce followed at 12 p.m. Um, but for the group of writers that are here that regularly cover the team, we had an opportunity to talk to both of those men sort of separately. And um, we'll play that for you in a minute. This is something that you won't hear um, sound bites of necessarily because it's off the podium. It was actually before he went up there. I think it's fascinating, but the the big topic and what sort of what I wrote, and there's a lot of little little tidbits of news in this interview. Um, but the biggest takeaway was, are they serious about bringing back Deshaun Jackson? I mean, this you know, and look, Arian said he finally met with him two weeks ago. He sat down with Deshaun Jackson, uh, said it was a really good conversation. He had a great talk, and that he looks forward to working with him. Uh, and apparently, you know, Deshaun was uh, fairly receptive about some of the plans that Arians had in terms of how to use him and uh, talked about giving Wednesday, giving him Wednesdays off during the season and all this sort of thing. And I don't buy any of it. <laughs> it's just, I mean, I suppose it's possible Deshaun Jackson could be a buck this year. But when you look at the salary cap situation this team is in, and let's not forget a couple of things. One, and I know Bruce wasn't the head coach, but... Jason sure was the GM. In October, after five games, Deshaun Jackson wanted to be traded. And that became a story. And then you know, that was about the time that Jameis Winston went back under center and he was the quarterback. And Deshaun had no interest in playing with Jameis because Jameis couldn't get him the ball. You couldn't really blame Deshaun in some, in some levels. But that's, that's what he asked for. As recently as the Super Bowl, Deshaun Jackson was in Atlanta telling people how much he wanted to play for the Los Angeles Rams. So sometime between, you know, the Rams losing the Super Bowl and just a couple of weeks ago, uh, Bruce Arians met with him, and now, you know, everything may be, you know, okay with this group, uh, but we're a long way from September, and that's that's really the takeaway here. I think, um, look, he's under contract. They certainly have some salary cap situations that are problematic. Uh, they want to re-sign some of their own free agents. You know, certainly guys like. You know Donovan Smith and Quan Alexander and Adam Humphreys; those will be the three biggest priorities. They need to sign a backup quarterback somewhere along the way. They need to sign a kicker someplace along the way. They got to make money for their draft picks, so they have some things they have to do. And they're only about eighteen, sixteen, eighteen million dollars uh, under the salary cap, which is going to get increased by about ten million bucks. But nonetheless, um, that's that's the least amount of room they've ever had since Jason Light has been here, and so. You're going to have to make some some decisions. There's some domino effect to, you know, sign a guy and then somebody else may have to leave, that sort of thing. So we've talked about Gerald McCoy coming back, and they, even though Jason hedged on it a little bit, Bruce Arians seemed pretty uh, adamant that Gerald McCoy is still one of the top interior pass rushers in the league and that, you know, $13 million is his salary and, and they expect him to come back and play. thinks he fits into the 3-4 but then you have a guy like Deshaun Jackson. So I think that this is just a situation where, you know, would Bruce like to have a guy like Deshaun in his offense? Every coach would. Dirk Cutter did. Dirk Cutter enjoyed having him. You know, he's an explosive guy, averaged like 18 yards a catch. I mean, um, you know, even in the, in the limited time that he played, uh, he was very successful with Ryan Fitzpatrick, not so much with Jameis. But it just doesn't make sense to me because they have gone out of their way to say, you know, we want to take the pressure 
off Jameis Winston. He's the quarterback. This is his team. And to the extent that they're not going to re-sign Ryan Fitzpatrick, which is something else you'll hear Bruce Arians talk about in terms of his philosophy at quarterback and what the backup should be, particularly in this situation with Jameis. So if you're worried about the pressure on Jameis Winston, what has caused him more pressure than this sort of obsession, if you will, of trying to get Deshaun Jackson involved in the offense and trying to throw the ball down the field to him, which Jameis has failed out pretty much throwing the ball down the field to a lot of guys for the better part of his four years in the NFL. So there's a lot of reasons why I'm, I'm not buying into, into any of this, but I do think that, you know, it doesn't cost them anything right now uh, to keep Deshaun because he's under contract. The, the money is not guaranteed. They could take him right up until after Labor Day uh, and then decide to do something with him. There may be teams that have injuries after the draft, maybe don't get a receiver, and he has value, and they own, they control his rights. So for the time being, I think it's about you know trying to get him to do the buy-in and come to the offseason and see if he'll learn the offense. And you don't know. Maybe you'll have injuries on your wide receiver core between now and training camp as well. And you could lose Adam Humphreys and – all of a sudden, you might feel, hey, it's a good thing if we keep Deshaun Jackson around. But, Steve, I'm telling you, man, something's not adding up here for me. And I, I, I do think it's as simple, uh, and you talked about this with me before the podcast, that they're not doing anything because they don't have to. Well, yeah. I mean, look, you don't have to commit to him until the season starts. or A couple of days before the, the regular season, he makes the roster. He's an asset at this point, so try to, to get something for him if, you don't, if you're not planning on having him on your team. But the right. other part of this is, is, look, he is under contract on your team. You can't be out there sitting there saying you don't like a player, don't want him on your team, et cetera. I mean, he's under contract now. You have, a, you have a right to cut him without paying him anything. But as long as he's yeah. under contract, you start trashing guys under contract on your team, and who wants to come play here? That's true. Who's next? Yeah. You know, I mean, you could say Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, we don't want him back because of, you know, we don't we want to make sure Jameis Winston's the number one guy and we don't want the question in the room. Well, Ryan Fitzpatrick's not under contract. His contract's expired. That's true. You know, Deshaun Jackson's under contract. Same with, you know, McCoy appears is going to be back, as you've reported. If you weren't planning on bringing him back, which was speculated and we talked about, you're not going to you're not going to say anything about him either because he's under contract. He's, He's an employee of yours. You know, now, mm-hmm. even if you plan to, to make a change there, there's no need to say anything negative anywhere. You know, you're going to be positive about it. Uh, because otherwise, you know, what kind of workplace do you have? What kind of environment is that? Yeah, and I, and I also think with, with respect to the NFL, and this might not be true. I mean, everything you say is true in business, in most businesses, I think, is a good practice to, to not trash your employees. But I do think that these guys are assets, too. You know, they, mm-hmm. they are... They have control of Deshaun Jackson. They have him under contract. He he has value to them. And whether that value is in a trade uh, down the road or uh, the value that he brings should they suffer an injury or something else happen. Uh, and, and and the fact is, is that they don't have – there's no deadline. There's no uh, roster bonus that they owe him. Uh, all his guaranteed money has been paid. And to that extent, I mean, they've paid him a lot of money. They might as well keep him for as long as they as they possibly can because most of his money has already been earned, and they haven't got a lot of return on that investment. So, 
yeah, I, I kind of, I get it. There isn't really an alternative unless you were just so disgusted that it's like, yeah, look, we're going to whack this guy. Unless it's Antonio what Brown. What I think, yeah, like Antonio <laughs> Brown, right. And, and Exactly. And what I think will happen is that there will come a point if they want a free agent or want to retain one of their own, you know, because look, what's, in a perfect world, what's the best compensation you could get for a Deshaun Jackson? I mean, if the Rams lost Brandon Cooks, um, you know, if some other team had a big need that was a contending team for a receiver, maybe they give you a fourth or fifth round pick uh, uh, for a 32-year-old guy that's $10 million this year. I don't really know. But if it comes down to, hey, we don't have any money to sign Quan Alexander, who was our fourth round pick, and who could we possibly get that's better than that in the fourth round, then I think, you know, you might have to reach in there and say, okay, well, here's here's a, you know, $10 million, uh, you know, bank card uh, for our salary cap, and let's go ahead and cash it in and use it on another player. So they have lots of decisions down the road, and I think you're right. I think they're uh, doing what they have to do, which is, hey, and, and look, Bruce Arians, like any offensive coach, like any coach in general, is going to want to have a guy like Deshaun Jackson on his team. I mean, they're – there's an incredible amount of respect that's been earned by him, by the way, because he still, will, whenever he's done playing, will go down as one of the most explosive players in mm-hmm. NFL history. Uh, eight, average 18 yards, I think, a reception, over 17 and a half yards a reception for his career, which is insane. You can't find so, guys like that every day. They don't grow on trees, no. Nope. And, and he could still run at 30. He's a freak of I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Nature. I mean, he works at it and he does the track stuff, but is he going to be here a lot in the offseason? Is he going to learn a new playbook? You know, Bruce says, look, I, I asked him to learn the offense once, and then after that, you know, give me that first year, learn the offense, and then we can worry about off seasons after that. Um, like I said, he talked about giving him Wednesdays off. Uh, he's an older player now. You know, there are some things he can do to lighten Deshaun's load so that he's ready on Sunday. Getting him involved earlier in games in the in the scripted first 15 plays so you get their interest and um, you know you keep it throughout the four quarters now these are all things that believe me Dirk Cutter and Todd Munkin tried to do it's not like they went into games and didn't have him part of their first 15 plays so you know the best laid plans don't always happen but um, from a just a you know a quarterback standpoint would you love to have a weapon like that yes but is it is there a thing to Jameis Winston trying to force the ball or trying to feel like I have to get this guy involved and I don't throw it down the field very well, you know, so how else do you get him involved in the game plan early? I mean, that's that's more pressure on your quarterback, which by all stated opinions here, they, they're trying to take the pressure off of him. And I, I'm not sure that Deshaun Jackson does anything but add to, to Jameis Winston's load. So we'll see ultimately how this plays out, but, but I did want – to give our, our listeners to this podcast sort of a behind-the-scenes. I mean, we're at the Indianapolis Combine. This is before Bruce Arians goes on the podium to meet the rest of the media. 
he had a chance to sit down with uh, the writers that normally cover the team, and he talked, touched on all topics, uh, including Deshaun Jackson, Gerald McCoy, uh, you know, some of the things that uh, his, his feelings about the evaluation of some of his other players, like Ronald Jones, like Peyton Barber. You'll hear about the defense. You'll hear about, you know, their plans sort of in using two types of practices or two practices during the OTAs and the off-seasons and mini camps. So an opportunity for our listeners to get a chance to hear Bruce Arians talking about uh, his plans for the Bucks in 2019. Coach, good to see you. I know a lot of this first month on the job has kind of been evaluating the existing players. If there's an overriding theme to what you saw or how you felt, given a closer look, how you feel about your team? Well, I can honestly say I've never walked into a situation with skill players uh, of this magnitude. I mean, quarterbacks, receivers, tight ends, and running backs that, that just they're there already. So obviously we've got to do a little bit of work up front. Uh, and then defensively, I love the speed that we have. We're, we're young in the secondary, but I think they're really quality guys. So, yeah, the nucleus is here, and it's just finding the right pieces and, and putting the whole puzzle together. With Deshaun Jackson, obviously he wanted wanted to be traded last year. And there's some belief outside your building that, hey, God doesn't want to be here, he doesn't want to be here. I don't know if you've already have. I know you had to sit down with him, but how can you talk a guy into, hey, Stick with us. Yeah, one more yeah, year. Yeah, I don't think you could talk anybody into it. They got to want to be it. Okay. And uh, you know, after that meeting, I thought it was extremely positive. I can't speak for Deshaun, but for me, it was extremely positive, and and we were looking for for the future. Did you get any type of assurances that he? That, I mean, did he say, "I, I want to be a Buck. I want to stay here." Yeah, I mean, that, that's basically how the conversation ended. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously, financial things and all those things that all come in this time of year. But yeah. as far as him having a role, me knowing what to do with him, and uh, and respecting his abilities, um, that all was very positive. Deshaun's a guy who, who, in voluntary workouts in spring, hasn't always felt the need to be there every time. Does his own regiment in California sometimes? Is that a problem? How, have you dealt with that with past players at all? When yeah, there, there's been a couple of players over the past that we've had that with, and uh, you know we urge them to be there, especially the first year, and uh, then you can do what you want after you learn the system. But please come in, learn the system, and. Uh, and give us as much time as you can. He seemed agreeable to that? We really didn't get that far into it. And, uh, you know, I think he knows, you know, he's got to learn this offense. So he's got to spend some time in it before we ever get to camp. Mm-hmm. What's your, your your evaluation on Ronald Jones, second-round pick for the Bucks last year? Didn't get an awful lot of opportunities for you to actually see Yeah, it seemed like every time he got the ball, somebody was catching him. Right. Right in, right in the backfield. Yeah. And uh, But, yeah, I think, you know, having seen him, I know him a little bit about him from college. He's a very talented guy, a very young player, and, and uh, he's got some room to grow uh, maturity-wise. And I think but talent-wise, his opportunities were slim and none. Uh, but uh, he showed flashes of things he can do. What's your take on, on Peyton Barber? A different style of running back, but no, I love him. I, I, I mean, for a band that size, you don't. When you watch the tape, you don't think he's 230. You know, yeah. You think he's a 205-pound running back. He's got great feet. Not every back's going to be a home run hitter, mm-hmm. but he gets those 10, 15-yard runs, breaking tackles, power runner, punishing runner. The kind I like to start when we're building something. Mm-hmm. That's the kind I want to build around. Mm-hmm. You know. How is Todd? When he looked at the defensive personnel, thinks they'll fit in. And a guy like Gerald McCoy, for example. That, uh, well, yeah, Gerald's played three technique in his life. Yeah. Yeah, and we have a three technique in our offense. Yeah. I mean, on our defense. Yeah. So. And we're penetrators. We're not two gap. You right. know, people say three, four, they all think are two gap. Sure. 
we're not that at all. We're penetrators, we're attackers. So for him, it's probably going to be no change from what he's done his whole career. You see him on this football team, Joe? I see him under contract, and I see a heck of a player that you still have to game plan for, so I hope so. <laughs> okay. There's, there's kind of a disconnect with a lot of fans. They don't see McCoy being a difference maker. You've had a game plan against him. What, what are fans missing with Gerald when they say he's overrated, overpaid, they can get rid of him, won't lose anything? What, what can you say to those people? Is that what they're missing? Interior pass rushers don't necessarily get a lot of sacks, but they create havoc. And he still could create havoc in the middle of the pocket. And that leads to outside guys getting sacks because he can he can pressure the pocket. He's still a premier pass rusher. Um, I think, like I said, I think he fits our defense. He's a three-down player. So, yeah, I mean, um, the stats don't always say how good a player, especially at that position. When you look at, at, at having a pair of edge rushers, they, they worked well together last year in JPP and Carl Nassib and in inheriting that. That, that's that's like got to be like I said, some of, some of the pieces are there. Vita V, I think, is going to be a premier nose guard. Mm-hmm. And again, he's playing the same. He's playing a shade because very seldom we line up as a zero nose. Right. So I, I think he's going to be an outstanding player. Um, we've got speed at linebacker, and we just got a young secondary that has to grow up. Mm-hmm. Spin, when you talk about Jameis, and you came in right away and said, this is our quarterback, it's his team, um, what's your philosophy about who's behind him? Uh, in, in other words, do well, you don't yeah. want him looking over his shoulder. What does that mean? Yeah, exactly? I mean, you know, Fitz did a great job. Um, but you don't want to split locker room. Yeah. You don't want, I want this guy. I want this. Now, nah, we got one quarterback. Okay. If you have two, you don't have any. Okay. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. And so he's our guy. Um, hopefully, number two never plays. And uh, I can't say Tom Moore's old. Tom Moore had the best saying ever when he was here in Indy with Peyton and somebody asked him, why does the number two guy get any reps? And he said, we don't, it would be shitty and we don't cover <laughs> <laughs> But Bruce, you've experienced Carson Palmer going down, mm-hmm. you know, in Arizona and having to turn to that backup to get you to the playoffs. And Lost him too and then got another one ready. But yeah, yeah I mean, we're going to have guys. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I, you know, I think you know, we'll get somebody re-signed. And, uh, and the, you never know what's behind door number two in about a month from now. Right. You know, and there, there are some guys out there that have ability and, um, and fit the system. So mm-hmm. it's just a matter of seeing how free agency goes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, getting our guys back. And uh, that, that one isn't as big a concern as when you don't have a one. Right. You know, when you don't have a one, it's like, oof. Yeah. yeah. I'd still be in CBS. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce, can, can you talk about the origin of the two practices or, you know, in, in terms of the veterans? It really goes back to my days of college okay. coaching. And, uh, you know, we, we always had a freshman practice. Mm-hmm. And a varsity, you know, there are guys trying to make – they want to get off that field to get to this field. Mm-hmm. Well, that, This is when you were at Temple, right? Yeah. Okay. And, and Alabama and, and uh, even Mississippi State mm-hmm. at the end. But um, I think Coach Bryant, we had four fields going. Mm-hmm. You know, with him, and he had that tower, and he, he could see them all. Yeah, it's amazing. But um, yeah, I mean, you can't find a diamond in the rough if he's watching. Yeah. You know, and, and you, you draft these kids. They're different than years past. They're, I think they're a little bit less fundamentally ready. Mm-hmm. So we have to spend a lot of time fundamentally. But then again, can they learn? How fast can they learn? Mm-hmm. What volume can they handle? So we find out in that practice field, and that's why. I've always asked our owners to give me a big coaching staff. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd, I'd, instead of paying one guy 450, let me have two guys at 200. So I have smaller classrooms. Yeah. And and those are two practices. 
and we don't have to stay on the field that long. You know, in Arizona, it's very hot. Here, it's going to be very hot, so right. we can cut the number, the minutes down, and still get the reps. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll get 80 to 80, 90 reps. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's only an hour of practice. So. And that's sure. primarily an OTA and training camp thing when you have the the 90 on the OTA, roster. OTA, OTAs for sure. We didn't have the ability in Arizona. We went outside maybe twice, and uh, eight o'clock in the morning it was already 100 degrees. Yeah. But I want to see how much we can handle it, you know, with the rain and everything else. Mm-hmm. Now it's just, I want to have at least two seven on sevens, um, some blitz drills where young players are getting reps, yeah. you know, and I want to see their progress. You know, we have what I call an accountability board. Every every meeting starts with every penalty and every missed assignment. And if you're on there too much, you're not smart enough or you don't get and you get your giving meter better be real high mm-hmm. if you're gonna make statistics. They caught eight balls. Yeah, six of them were behind the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. You know, but you got them involved. Mm-hmm. And, and and when you have premier guys, when you script those first 15 plays, you hopefully have them involved early. Yeah, and, and you get their get them going. You know, get get their incitement level going. They'll block a little bit better. They'll do everything a little bit better when mm-hmm. they know they're a part of it. And From the start. Yeah, and they, they see those first 15 plays the yeah. night before the game. Oh, that's my play. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's my, that's my play. So they're, they're, they're into it. When you took over in Arizona, I think the initial 53 had 27 guys that weren't on the 53 the year before. You had said you didn't think it was the same kind of rebuild here. Do, no. do you expect not to have as drastic a change as would, you did there? I would, I would doubt it. You know, I, I think... Jason's done such a good job with this roster. Um, there's always change, you know. But to to the point, I think we had 50 some in our first two years, yeah. you know, and we were always churning. Now that those last five guys better never feel comfortable. Right. We'll be we'll be churning, looking for those that somebody to replace you. Yeah. You know, and uh, so yeah, that part of it never stops. Do you have to have that to, to have an accountability in the football team? The the fear of losing your job. Or, yeah, or moving that, down the depth chart. Yeah, I think all of us in, in any workforce, fear of losing your jobs <laughs> might be number one. Right. You know, and then then you try to do the best job you can, but t- don't get fired first. Yeah. You know, and uh, so that yeah, I mean, our, every player should have that fear. What kind of ballpark it? ballpark guesstimate would you say roster to 30, uh, 50 percent ballpark? Yeah, I'll, I'll probably know more after voluntary minicamp, okay. you know, and just looking at some of these young guys that I'm not real familiar with, other than their practice tape from last year, because I don't have that much game tape on them. When you get back here at the Combine, I know you were out of here, what's this like? What's the reception been like? Does it, does it oh, feel? It's, does it, it's fantastic. I mean, just knowing so many guys and being, being with CBS last year, I got to see a bunch of guys. and. I mean, this is this is the beginning for me. This is the beginning. That's of That's what I mean. Year. It feels yeah. like yeah. I know you've done stuff yeah. back in the lab, but yeah. this really. This, yeah, this is getting the juices flowing real good. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the beginning of next year's football team. Yeah. This self scouting. This is looking at your own roster. If I asked you for a name of someone that popped out to you that maybe you didn't realize how good they might be, was there someone you'd point to on either side of the ball? Well, I knew Mike Evans was good, but I didn't know he's that good. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. And 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 I can honestly say Peyton Barber. I mean, I, I've watched this guy, and I'm like, whew. I mean, he, he's so subtle in some of the things he does for a big man, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, yeah, those, those – Peyton probably on offense. Uh, I knew Levante David was good. Man, he's really good. I mean, he's really good. And uh, you got some tight ends. And that's not oh, man, been a yeah. staple of all your offenses, but you Yeah, I mean, we his... always have had a receiver and a blocker. Yeah. Now, not since Heath Miller did we have the same guy in one package. Right. Yeah. You know, and then when Heath, 
Pete was, you know, he was guy. He was a huge part of our offense in, Pete's, in Pittsburgh. Mm. You know, in Arizona, we, Ricky Seals Jones was a wide receiver that we made a tight end. Jermaine Gresham was our guy. He was our he's our yeah. he's our tough guy. He set his tempo. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, but these guys, I mean, they can catch, they can run, they can block. Um, some can block better, but yeah. it's a great group of tight. Like I asked Rick Christopher, who's tight end coach, he said, "What do you need?" He said, "I don't need anything." <laughs> you know, it's just a young guy. To, you know, it's a young guy, adjusting a just in case guy. Yeah, you know? yeah. And uh, which is same thing in a wide receiver room. You know, yeah, just let's get some young guys that we think can become something because we got players. Mm-hmm. Bruce, in your book, you were talking about you're always trying to to find that that line between being loved and being feared as a coach. How, how has that, that journey been like for you in terms of, of finding that sweet spot as a yeah, coach? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's just be yourself. You know, uh, players, if you try to fool them, they get you in a heartbeat. And uh, sometimes I'm brutally honest, but I think they respect that, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, when I'm talking to them ugly, it's usually about their football. It's not them as a person. Mm-hmm. I, and I try to, don't take it, don't take this personal. This is coaching. Right. All right. And... It's not criticism, two different things. And so you can build some trust. And I think any football player looks at a, at a coach in their room and say, how are you gonna make me better? If they can't answer that question, they don't belong in the room. Right. You know, and uh, I'll go back to Plexico Burst, my first year in Pittsburgh. How are you gonna make me? I said, first thing we do is change that answer here. <laughs> Just kind of looked at me. So you take a false step every time. You're, you're, you're one step slow coming off line scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Thought about that. So easy things like that. Yeah. You know, and, uh, so yeah, I mean, it, just 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 be you. you know? and, uh, Coach Bryant taught me a long time ago, coach him hard and hug him later, and mm-hmm. that's always been the philosophy. Is it harder in today's age, with kids with the five-star virus, to to not take it so personally? Yeah, a lot of them are cuddled. You know, and uh, when you're in the event starting today, you know, who, who's our Who's are the ones that have been silver spooned, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, you gotta every everybody can learn. Mm-hmm. Just find out how they learn. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't I can't be as critical on this guy as I might be on this guy because he can take it. Right. You know. Uh, he's gonna get cussed out. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't matter how bad. Right. You know. For you to yeah. be back here in Indy, what, what's the nostalgia oh. for you to be only one year here, but obviously a special year. Yeah. It, 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 the Two first stands, three, right? yeah, the first three right, were great, sorry, yeah. but the last one was—it's a fairy tale, mm. and I mean, it's—it's—it's. It's, it's, this city is part of me, just for that that whole season and, and everything that went on with Chuck, down at the hospital and then coming back. Um, it, it's very very special. This town is very special. Are you beloved? Like when you walk around the city, just <laughs> people. Yeah, know. it's it's fun, you know. Um, just people on the street. Yeah. You know. Uh, Colts fans. Yeah. And thank you. Yeah. You know, for somebody's tell coach thank you. That's. I got booed way too many times. I love all the thank you. <laughs> One thing on Jameis in terms of, of his ability to hit the deep ball or maybe inability to hit the deep ball and connect with Deshaun Jackson. Is is that just fundamentals? Is it? Is it how, how do you part coach fundamentals a deep and thrower? It's part looking safeties off too long. Okay. All right. And your release timing for Mike, and then you try to have the same release 
for a shot. The shot's 10 yards further down the field. Right. Mm-hmm. All right, now you're heaving it, you're not passing it. Okay. So just little things of getting out of his hand faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, more work on the practice field. You know, we, we'll do a lot of deep ball drills. And uh, and then the guys know that they're not going to run for a while after that drill. Right. But I, we, need to, we need to work full speed mm-hmm. on this thing right here. Bruce, how can you... Sean Jackson's gone on record saying he didn't have to practice that much. In Super Bowl week, he, you know, that same conversation he said he wanted to play for the Rams. And obviously, from what you're saying, he needs, well, at least him and Jameis need practice together. How do you convince Deshaun Jackson? Like, you know what, maybe I need to lose my ego a little bit and work with these young quarterbacks. Well, I don't, I don't think there's losing ego. I love ego. <laughs> and he's, he's got a resume that goes with it. But he'll work. You know, it's like Larry Fitzgerald didn't practice on Wednesdays the last two years I had him because I needed him on Sunday. You, know, you hit an age. You don't need Wednesday's practice. You need to, you need to walk through is fine. Guys that are real pros, after a walkthrough, they got it. Now it's just my job to get them to Sunday full speed. But does that hurt some, somehow, Jameson, yeah, Sean building? I talked to him. There's certain things we got to do full speed. Not all day. Deep balls, maybe on, on, a, on a Thursday. The red zone, I got to have you out there every, going full speed in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Short fields, but and uh, because he can be a, a very good big threat down there with his quickness. So with your salary cap situation, him at $10 million, that, that's going to work for you, you think? I don't want to get into that, man. I, I just coach <laughs> players. That's just <laughs> You don't want to do the cap stuff? I'm all, all for it. I'll make all the money you can. You don't get yeah. to play that long. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so a pretty fascinating interview there with uh, Bruce Arians, the Bucks' new head coach. I thought some some nuggets uh, talking about the, the young defensive back, MJ Stewart, maybe moving to safety. Uh, is something you can look forward to. Kalen Beninock not going to be a guard, which I think he established last year that he's not a guard, even though he started at right guard. Uh, he'll move to tackle, and then Alex Kappa, they're going to play uh, pretty much at guard as much as they can. And, you know, so so, so some nuggets uh, about their plans for the future. And, uh, you know, look, they're going to have to add to that defense. The linebacker situation is is not good in terms of the injuries that they have, not just, you know, with Quan Alexander, but – you know, they've got a lot of other concerns that uh, they're going to have to deal with as well, uh, in- including, you know, guys like, like Beckwith, who is coming off that ankle injury. They're going to know in a month whether Kendall is going to be somebody that they can, uh, can count on this season. That doesn't sound good. He was injured in the automobile accident, tried to come back last year, never made it back, and ended up on the uh, non-football injury list. So some concerns as far as health goes as well. But uh, a fascinating uh, interview with Bruce Arians. We enjoyed sitting down with him for a little bit. Okay, so tonight uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning continue on uh, their little road swing here. They're going to play in Boston. we got some Rays uh, night baseball. Blake Snell, the Cy Young Award winner, is going to be uh, on the mound for the Rays against the Twin. And and did you I, – I did not see this blast, but I read it. Is this true? Nate Lowe hit a ball over 500 feet? Oh, he crushed it onto the office building past the right field uh, stands at the in Port Charlotte, crushed five hundred feet. Jeez. Yeah. yeah, I don't know the exact distance, but he crushed it. That's got he's got some power, huh? He does. I think he had twenty eight home runs last year in the minors between several different levels. Mm-hmm. And and he's pronounced low, unlike Brendan Lau, to be confused with Brendan Lau. Well. Yeah, spelled now the same. He, no relation. Yeah, he's one of those guys that's in the first base mix, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. 
with G-Men Choi and all so those So who guys. needs C.J. Crone when you can blast at 500-plus feet? Well, this is the thing. You know, they, if you lead the team in home runs and you're a first baseman, you're not going to be here next year. You know that, right? Well, but, he, but he'd be under team control, so that'd be a little different. Well, I know, but I'm just saying, like, every year, whether it's whether it's Morrison or or last, I mean, it's, you know, you play first, you lead the team in homers, and it's like, nah, we don't need you. And they just release these guys. It's crazy, but that's sort of the pattern that they're under. But um, lots of guys that play uh, first base. So, wow, 500 feet. That's uh, that's pretty good. Okay, so tomorrow I will uh, be at the Combine still. We're going to now start to interview some of the players. It's also a big day because guess who's getting married? Not married. <laughs> Ooh, that would be something. Yeah, we'd have a, uh, a wedding at the Combine. Guess who's getting measured, which is Kyler Murray, uh, the Oklahoma quarterback, and if he steps on there and they they get him at under five foot nine, or uh, you know, it's not pushing five ten. I think he's going to be somewhere around five nine and three quarters, five nine and three eighths. But I don't think he's going to be five ten, uh, which will be interesting. More talk about him possibly being somebody that could go in the top five in the draft. Steve Kaim, the general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, uh, said they have not made a decision about whether or not he should be the number one pick in the draft, even though they seem like they're firmly behind Josh Rosen as their quarterback, which is weird because those two things don't add up. Of course they haven't made um, a decision because that pick is valuable and could be traded. And so you need absolutely. to be taking a quarterback to make that pick more valuable. And you need to convince people that you will take that quarterback number one to have somebody come up there and get him. So I, I think Murray is going to go in the top five. I think it's going to be – I think he's going to steal the combine. If he, if he works out, I don't know if he's going to throw. I haven't heard – Come on, you know uh, exactly what his plans are. <laughs> well, probably. Even though Mike Mayock, you know, the new GM and former NFL uh, network guru, draft guru, says that uh, they have a franchise quarterback in Derek Carr and they're very happy with him. So maybe he's a franchise quarterback, maybe not. Why for can't the, you for have the two franchise quarterbacks? Come on. Well, you absolutely could. You absolutely could. Maybe John Gruden, I saw this proposed, maybe John Gruden helps his brother out. And you have a Gruden to Gruden deal where Derek Carr goes to the Redskins. They pick up another first round pick, and they got four now. And then they trade up from four to number one and take Kyler Murray. What do you think of that? There you go. I'm proposing that deal. Is there some like insider trading collusion or something that would be? That that would be collusion. That would be brotherly love. That would be all kinds of things. Yeah. I mean, we didn't see. I don't think we saw the Harbaugh's do a deal. So they did not. But I think this would be. I think this would be. This would be win win for the Grudens. So maybe they'll make something like that happen. I don't know. But lots of uh, fascinating stuff coming up this week uh, for you at the at the Combine here in Indy Freezingapolis, where I am uh, sitting right now. So uh, one more thing, folks. Uh, just remember, uh, if you want to uh, get rid of some of those high electric bills and who doesn't, consider my folks at May Electric Solar. They're a locally owned company. They're one of the best companies uh, in solar energy around. They guarantee all their equipment and labor, and they uh, don't use contractors. These are their people. So remember, it's May all the way. Call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.